0: Thank you. Hey, good to see you. Blessings to all of you. Wasn't that great? Wasn't it great just to be able to have a time of worship like that together? I mean, I know this was something none of us wanted. None of us anticipated being in this situation. I mean, when 2020 started to unfold, who could have have imagined we would be having to, as a nation, as a world, deal with a a pandemic that's affecting our lives in such significant ways? And and I don't think there's any of us that haven't been affected in some way. I know we all have. I mean, it is, it is incredible to think that we're actually doing church this way, that we can't actually gather. I I look forward to the time that we will be able to do that. I don't know what it's going to look like as we make our way back, but, um, I'm confident at some point it's going to happen. But in the meantime, we're, we're getting the ability to do what we're doing right now. And I'm very grateful for that. I hope you are as well. We're staying connected. My desire is that all of us would come out of even this time together, more strengthened, more encouraged. I really want you to be blessed. I do. I, I, I sense that there is a, a kind of collective angst sitting out there. I mean, many of us are dealing with real anxiety. Some of that anxiety is connected just to the fact that all of our normal patterns are disrupted, our rhythms. Uh, things that we've been accustomed to, the kind of unwelcomed limitations that have been forced upon us and and then on top of that, we're experiencing to differing degrees loss. Some of us have experienced profound loss and and then, there are others in our lives that have been affected as well, and that affects us. And I know not everyone has experienced the same level of of pain or loss or hurt in this time, but we're all experiencing something. And on top of that, there were problems that we had already before this whole time started to sort of unravel. We, We had our own stuff already. Some of us you know we're having then to deal with all of those things plus this and then on top of that others of us while this has been happening have had certain things emerge and so it's just been really hard and i know that some some here we we've been extremely lonely and that creates its own kind of of difficulty and discouragement and it can even lead us into places of depression and others of us are struggling um, to stay away from bad patterns of behavior or addictions and things that are actually toxic in this space of our time. We feel displaced. We, we feel you know, sometimes empty and afraid. And out of that fear, we might turn to things that in the end are not going to help us at all. So, you know, I really, and then and again, sometimes the issue is not physical, it's, it's mental, it's emotional, it's spirit. Some of us has to do with our thinking. We get ourselves into a, a situation where we're empowering our fear. And it's not like this, that God is saying that, that we're not supposed to have fear, um, in terms of, I just don't know how realistic it is for us to have no fear. You now the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear and we're constantly reminded not to fear, but we're, it's not unusual for us to be afraid of things. And I think the real challenge is, though, the Lord may say to us, it's it's not that you can't have fear at this time. It's just that He wants us to fear less. He doesn't want us to be bound up in that fear, right? God wants us to be free in Him. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to have uh, the ability to uh, go through this well. And my desire, in fact, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray before we even get into this message, this teaching, I want to pray for everybody. I want to pray for all of us, and uh, even now, Lord, and you just pray with me, okay? So even now, Lord, we we realize that in this time of great uncertainty and and um, where there's many anxious thoughts that surround us, that we would welcome you into this place and into this space and into our heart, great healer, come. I'm reminded of what the apostle said again, though I am pressed on every side with trouble, yet I am not crushed nor broken. And Perhaps some of us feel greatly pressed on every side, but we cling to your promise that we would not be broken or crushed under the weight of things. Some of those things, they're not even real things. They're just things that our mind is having a hard time not envisioning and they're crushing us, Lord. We, we pray that you would help us, Lord, in this place to not allow the weight of things that you're not asking us to carry to beat us down. Oh, good shepherd of our souls, shepherd of our soul, lead us into green pastures. Show us, show us Lord, um, the water, the quiet stream of water so that though things are stirring around us, we might have a settled internal place with you, that you would be at the center of our lives, that you would calm our mind that you would calm our concerns, that you would calm our fears, that you would calm the waters that are deep within us. Help us, God, remind us that you will always show us a way, that you're the good shepherd, you lead us in the way, even through the valley, the shadow of death. Yes, you will show us the way to walk, just stick with you. We'll stick with you. So Lord, we just ask that as we take this time to enjoy your word together, that it would not only be a time of learning, because it's, it's really the last time we, we're sitting with this amazing woman in John 4, the Samaritan woman. And watching your interactions and the words that you had to say around this incident, they have so much power and meaning for us. So, again, I ask that there would just come a flow of life and strength and encouragement at such a time as this, we ask it. And our eyes are, are looking towards you, Lord. In Jesus, in your name we pray it. All of us, in your name, right now. You and I, we pray it together. Amen. Amen. So, hey, here's what I'd like to do. Uh, rather than retelling the account, and, and again, we're just a, a week removed from Easter, but we've been sitting with this woman at the well and the whole incident in John 4. And it's been with us since for a majority of our Exhale series is focused on that interaction. And so we're closing that. We're finishing it. This is the last, uh, the last time that we're going to be sharing. Uh, around this uh, in John 4. And so I want us to be able to both receive from it and learn from it, but also to enjoy it. Like, I really want you to enjoy this moment. So what I want to do, and we're not going to, you know, uh, necessarily put this on the screen. I'm just going to read this through. I'm going to read the front end of John 4 and revisit the situation. I'm just going to read it uh, with uh, a translation that is called the message translation, and I really don't want you to feel like you have to do anything beyond just, just you know, listen to me as I share it and read it through. The message is uh, what it what it sometimes lacks in precision of translation, it makes up for it in its kind of unique grittiness, and I thought it would be a, a different way of enjoying and setting up the passage that we're going to explore a little bit from now. So this sets the table for it. So let's revisit it together. And again, later on, there's a there's a note section. We're also going to scroll the verses as well, and you can you can follow that way with the main text. You're, anytime at all, by the way, you're welcome to get your Bibles out to look at it as we move through the the chapter. There's no, you know, you're free to m- free to move around the cabin. It's one of the unique opportunities with the way we're doing church right now. So you know but the key is trying to stay focused and engaged. That's to me very important. The real challenge I suspect around having an online service is that, and this is just a parenthetical little detour, real quick one, is that we have to be very intentional about our focus. It's very easy to get on a detour. So be relaxed, enjoy it, but try to create the sacred space so that we're getting the full benefit of what we're doing. It's a way of worshiping the Lord, but it requires, even though it's more convenient, maybe because it's more convenient, it requires actually a little bit more discipline and intentionality. So Lord, help us to do that right now. I'm going to go ahead and read through the message translation of John 4 and pick up on the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. It says that Jesus left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. But to get there, he had to pass through Samaria, right? We talked about that. He came into Sichar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field. Jacob had given his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was still there. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well and it was noontime. A woman, she was a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? his disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. And the Samaritan woman taken aback asked, how come you, a Jew are asking me a Samaritan for a drink? I mean, uh, Jews in these days, those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans, right? Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, You would be asking me for a drink. I love that verse. So if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink. And I would give you, I would give you fresh living water. Jesus starts by asking her for water. She says, are you asking me this? We don't, we don't get along. Jesus says, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for water. The woman says, sir, you don't even have a bucket. To draw with. And this well is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Right? How are you going to get that? Are uh, are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob? Who dug this well? Yeah. And he drank from it. And he and his sons and livestock. And then he passed it down to us. Jesus said, no. Everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I will give will never thirst not ever the water I give it will be an artesian spring within gushing fountains of endless life. The woman says, "Sir, give me this water, so I won't ever get thirsty and won't ever have to come back to this well again." He said, well, go go ahead and, and call your husband." And then come back and and we can discuss it. I have no husband, she said. Ah, it's nicely put. I have no husband. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth. That's true. Sure enough. Oh, so you're a prophet. (laughs) Uh, Well, tell me. Tell me this, our ancestors worshiped God at this mountain, but you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship, right? Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark, We Jews worship in clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews, but the time is coming. It has in fact come when you will, when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the father is out looking for those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself spirit and those who worship him must do it out of their very being out of their very being that's how they must do it their spirits their true selves in adoration the woman said i don't know about that i i do know that the messiah is coming yeah that's what i do know and when he arrives we'll get the whole story i am he jesus said you don't have to wait any longer or look any further. Just then his disciples came back and they were shocked. They couldn't believe he was talking with that kind of a woman. No one said what they were all thinking, but their faces showed it. (laughs) Right. The woman took the hint and left. That's how the message stops. And I'm going to pick back up in our handout here. And look at this again on the digital handout and on the side screen if you want to as well. But I want to pick back up with this and jump right in. Pick back up with the conversation. Pick, with, pick back up with what happens next and then draw from it some water from the well. Can we do that? It says, so the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, look at that 29th verse, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ Can this really be the promised one? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, you got to eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. (laughs) You have no idea. The disciples said to one another, well, what do you mean? You have food to eat that, that we don't know about. Did, has anybody brought you food to eat? Jesus said, no, you don't understand my food. No, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. I, I, I just absolutely love this. They said, master, you got to eat. And he was hungry, but he got overwhelmed by his deepest passion. Like in that moment, it got, he got connected to his very purpose for being and it overwhelmed his natural hunger and hunger is one of the most powerful You know, drives that a human being has In fact, two of the most powerful drives that a human being has are happening right there at around the well, hunger and thirst. And Jesus would later say, or earlier, he said it, but he would say it in his ministry, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what is right. They will be filled, but think about it. What they were saying was you got to eat. You're hungry. He says, and it's true. He was hungry, but he got overwhelmed by. His passion. And he says, my food. No, 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 no. I have bread that you don't know of. The food that I, I am eating right now. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. Yes. And to accomplish his work. That's my real food. Then Jesus turns to them and I think he, he sees He sees what has happened and perhaps he can see the crowds coming in the distance. Maybe he's just thinking about the conversation he had, but he turns back to the disciples and he says, listen to me, listen to me. Look at that 35th verse. Do not say, look, don't say four months and then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you that the fields, just lift up your eyes. I say, lift up your eyes because the fields are white under harvest. I'm telling you, they are ripe. They are ready. Uh, don't say later. Don't say four months. I tell you, now is the time. Now is the time. I'll, I'll tell you, the harvest is ready. It's ready right now. And then he says this already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. Basically what he's saying, Jesus is saying is, I'm already. Look, the purpose for which I have come is going to prepare a great harvest. But I'm already seeing the first fruit of that harvest. And this conversation I just had, I'm telling you, it's just the first first little first fruit. It's the beginning of what's going to be a harvest that's going to be so amazing, so extensive, that's going to permeate the world. Right. Jesus saw, Jesus was looking down the corridor of time. He he was looking through, uh, his years of ministry, through the cross, right. Into literally through the tomb and out just like where we are right now on the other side of the empty tomb and he saw, right, what was going to happen. He, and I see Jesus in that moment, looking down the corridor of time. And I see years flashing by right down the centuries. And I imagine one of those years is 2020. And as he sees the years going by, he says, don't say four months. And then comes the harvest. I'm telling you, God is doing something now. Now, ultimately, ultimately it's going to be far more profound than anything you can ever imagine so much more is ahead of us. Do you see it? Jesus is saying, do you see it? Do you understand? This is just a small beginning of what's going to end up being, um, a massive harvest until the end of the age. Because of the work that I have come to do. And what has happened in this woman's heart, the healing that's beginning to take place is going to happen in the hearts of men and women in ways that you can't even imagine or conceive. And I'm telling you, the time is right. It's now and let's not even wait till then. Then's coming, but this is now, right? This is great for he, for then Jesus says this for here, the saying holds true. Look at this look at, and see how relevant it is to everything that we've been talking about. When we started the year, sow, water, reap, right? Look how amazingly connected this is. Look at verse 37 for here, the saying holds true. Look at it. look look what he says for here. The saying holds true one sows and another reaps. Look, I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Now, principally, principally speaking, sometimes you can work long and hard for a harvest and wait for it to grow. I think it's true of anything in our lives and we may pay a steep price, but other times we come to a field and and just like Jesus is saying, and it's already been worked, the harvest is already prepared. Someone else did all the work. Someone else paid the price. Someone broke the ground. Someone planted the seed. Someone watered that seed, sowed the field that is now being reaped. Right? So basically what Jesus is saying is that it's sometimes, and it is another way of, of what Jesus is getting at here. Right. And as I sat with it and wrestled with what he was saying, it dawned on me that part of what he was getting at, and I just want to put this up as well, is that he's saying that we are part of a much larger and longer story, the fulfillment of years of faithfulness and promise. Just when Jesus is talking there, it reminded us of how many walk the path to get us to this moment, how we are tied into a longer, larger story, how anybody who is hearing these words right now, Anyone who has a relationship with the Lord, anyone who's a part of our church, who's a part of the church, anybody who's a follower of Jesus, anyone who's connected to the Lord in every part of the globe and from every nation, tribe and tongue, how we're all part of a connected story, the story of Jesus and the story of God's promise of love and the story of God's faithfulness. And we're all connected to it and how even the things that have happened in our own lives, listen. The things that are happening in our lives right now uh, in this dark and troubling time, even yes, because that's sometimes where God does his most profound work. And may it be so Lord, may it be in this time that you do amazing work, that things are grown inside of us, that there's a harvest in our soul and even in our church, in our, in our country and in this world, that, that, that there would come something of a movement through this this season that no one wants nor wanted, right? It's true. But the Lord is moving and our story, the story of Christ at work in our lives, the story of Jesus at work in our lives. One of the things the Lord is getting at here is this: all intertwined. There are some times where we come into something and it's, it's like, it it takes us so much work to get it. And then there are other times where it's almost like we were given a gift right, in these moments. And, and uh, again, I'm reminded of sort of what happened. I, I was thinking about, you know, and I, I think it's good to personalize things in our own lives. I was thinking about our church and, and how that field was nurtured at its beginning by someone, by a generation, right? That was nurtured and loved and, and the worked, the field was worked and the rocks were dug out and seeds were planted. Now, never, they never really got to see the harvest. You know, that was left to another generation. Uh, there were just a lot of seeds being sown, but we're all connected, right? I thought about um, my life and, and how connected my life with the Lord is to other people's story, the, the effect of others in my life, the, the the sowing of seed into my heart that occurred. And maybe some of you understand that in your own life, how where you are in your relationship with the Lord is connected to others to generations before some of whom we know because they were close to us right moms and grandmothers and fathers and relatives and you know people in our lives that became that to us and affected us spiritually teachers. And I look back at myself, I think about my youth pastors and and young when I was a young pastor, how other pastors came and, and invested into my life and my my Sunday school teachers, kids' teachers, again, ministry teachers, and, and just the seeds that were sown. And maybe you relate to that. And the prayers that were offered and some of you were prayed over, like you were prayed over. But I think, you know, again, Mothers and grandmothers, and aunts, and uncles, and co workers, and you know, fathers, and just grandfathers prayed for us. People prayed for us. People yearn for our day. They worked the harvest field. They worked it they worked it in in our hearts. They worked it into our future. They they believed for a generation. They believed some of us have little ones right now and we're believing. We're sowing. We're believing. We're praying. Some of us have people we care about. We love them. We want to see God work. Now we may be doing a lot of the work and someone else may come along down the line and they may harvest that. Like all of a sudden they're the ones that reap the harvest. Like God uses a different person completely to be the messenger. But all that work under the, all that work was done. And that's how it is in the kingdom. Sometimes one waters, you know, one sows, one reaps. I mean, it's just the way it works. And we're just all part of it. We're all part of it. And we shouldn't, it shouldn't matter, you know, what part we play in it is all okay. Sometimes we harvest something that we had nothing to do with that much. Someone else did all the work other times and, and put in all the prayer time and other times we, we are the ones who are doing it all really working the field and someone else comes and they reap the harvest. You see what I'm saying? You see what Jesus is getting at now? Again, I'll just, I'll say it this way that some seasons are, uh, and and some blessings and some breakthroughs are a product of hard work and a long wait. Some Blessings and breakthroughs are a product of hard work and a long wait. If we can sit with the principle of Jesus here, the product of effort and consistency and patience—a kind of "let us not be weary" and "well doing" kind of thing—that you will reap if you faint not. That's what we're talking about. And there are things like that in our lives, where the real issue is always going to be steadfastness and stick to it, stick to itiveness, right? It's. It's not quitting. It's staying with it. Even when it's hard, you go out and you work the field and you put in the time and you spend your time in your relationship with the Lord and you do what needs to be done. And you're consistent with it and you do it with joy and you pour your heart there. Even when it's not convenient, anyone can follow the Lord when it's easy and where all the blessings are flowing. But when we're tested, when life is hard, when there's real questions and struggle and challenge, that's when it really shows up sometimes. And again. Some of the breakthroughs that come or or come as a, a result of a long process, a long, consistent, you know, commitment to something that is huge. And I think this is a critical time for, for this, right? Um, and for some of us right now in this particular unique situation, we're all finding ourselves in, we really need the gift of, of of patience, of a, I will call it a positive patience. We do. And one of the things I was struck by is that, that phrase, a positive patience. It's to me, patience in the biblical sense is never considered to be a, I do nothing while I'm waiting. Godly patience. Is always anchored in faith. Listen to me. Some of some of you are going to get it. You're gonna, we're going to get this. And even though we can't see it, we are preparing for the breakthrough when it happens. That's positive patience. It's it's believing and it's it's waiting with an expectation. And some of us are far too passive. Like we are waiting, but we have, we're not cultivating an expectation of trust and faith. And I I say that with no, I mean, I'm not trying to get, I'm not mad at anyone. I'm trying to remind myself that positive patience is connected to trust and preparation for something that may not happen, but we believe it will. And we're ready when it does. That's so important here. So some blessings come as a result of sticking with something over the long haul, being faithful, committed. Um, we fall, we get back up. If we go through a tough season, that's okay too. We we're gonna we're gonna stay resilient, nimble. We talk about this all the time. God wants us to be highly adaptable people. So some some breakthroughs and some blessings they take years to play themselves out before we they come to fruition other breakthroughs and blessings and this is kind of what jesus was getting at here come like this this gift of grace and if i can say this we we know it really wasn't us trying to be patient and steadfast and committed and working the field it more is a result of us just just being recipients of god's grace i mean we, we if we're really honest about it we got a blessing and and we didn't, we didn't really deserve it. Like all of a sudden we have this harvest and maybe even someone else did a majority of the work, like we, this gift of grace. And we, we did very little to deserve it. And I think in the, in those situations in our lives, as some of us are, we're about to walk into them. Yes, we are. I think they re- require at least a twofold responsibility, maybe three. The first is gratitude. When that happens to us, when we get a blessing, when we reap a harvest for something we really didn't deserve, like God's goodness displayed in our lives. The first thing that to, to we say is, Lord, thank you. Thank you. I thank you. Another thing, number two, would be humility. Lord, I, I, I bless you because I didn't deserve it. I mean, you did this, not me. I'm not so smart. Not so great. Your grace. And then I think the third part of that would be to honor and love and care for, um, I'll say it this way to care for the gift that we did not deserve to honor it, to honor it with trust and love and to nurture and care. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's go back to verse 39. Okay. It says, and this is a closing passage piece of the passage. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me when she said, he told me all that I ever did. Right. So a lot of them, when she said it, they believed, they believed that he probably was who she said he was. They believed it because they believed in her. Look at that. And so when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there for two, two days. Now this was unheard of, but the whole thing is ignited because they trusted her. She had this interaction with Jesus. And by the time this thing is done, they're all engaging Jesus. And there's this, an amazing exchange between the the disciples and Jesus and the Samaritans. I mean, it doesn't happen in their day. It didn't happen, but it was happening there. And it says in verse 41 that many more believe because of his word. So th- many people's lives were transformed and believed in Jesus as the Messiah because of the teaching of Jesus that occurred after they had talked to the woman who had brought them to Jesus. And they said to the woman, and I lo- I, lo- I I hope you appreciate the 42nd verse. It's so good. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe. Now. We still appreciate what you said, but that's not the reason we believe. We have heard for ourselves. And now we know that indeed, this is the savior of the world. Think about that. We initially came to believe in him. We were drawn towards him because of you. But now that we've heard him, we believe for ourselves. We heard him and we believe for ourselves, right? And I think. There, there are people who are destined to come towards him because they believe in us. Yes, that is our testimony carries weight. But they, just like the Samaritan woman's word evidently, when she said it, they were a fact that they had to she ha- she was in their eyes, a believable person. And maybe it was because she was nobody's, you know, uh, easy play. Uh, I suspect that she was not viewed as someone who was naive or easy to take advantage of nor duped like, when, so when she said what she said, it carried weight. Cause I think she had this reputation as someone who was believable. In fact, if anything, she may have been perceived as a cynic or a bit of a skeptic, uh, edgy, uh, very capable of holding her own relationally. Yes. Even in a man's world. And so the whole town was moved by what she said. And again, I think there are people who are destined to come towards Jesus because they believe in us. That is our testimony carries weight. That is but listen, it can only happen if we're willing to communicate, if we're willing to communicate and share what we've experienced. <laughs> I mean, if, if we that in other words, it only can happen if we are willing to exhale the kingdom of Jesus. Now that might come through e- electronic things. It might have to do with posting things. It might have to do with inviting people in creative ways getting the word out. And, and again, I don't know. It might be a personal invite to someone who lives very far away and we know they're hurting right now and we want to help them along the way. And, and it's not so much that they really are that interested in Jesus, but they love us and because we are, they will be. Or at least they'll check it out, or at least they'll come and participate. And maybe that's where some of you right now are. You got here into this conversation that we are having right now, because someone you trusted or believe in or care for asked you to do it. And it's not so much about this, it's more about them. And that's why we're having this, but the Lord is here. And that's what I love about it. Remember, we're all connected. How good is that? And then I'll leave it with this last piece here. And I love it. Everyone, and you can see it. Once I say it, you'll know what I mean. Everyone needs a sponsor. Everyone needs a sponsor, but in the end, we must also have an experience. Everyone needs a sponsor, but in the end, we also need an experience. Listen. We must hear for ourselves. Again, we all need a sponsor. I don't know if any of us would ever get to Jesus or could have gotten to Jesus if someone else hadn't been involved. Again, we're part of a story, an intricate story. And that story is connected to people we'll never know or see who affected the people we do know. It's it's just, it's it's just amazing to think it through, but again, in, in a natural Spiritually speaking, most uh, we're going to need a sponsor, but in the, but (laughs) at some point, and all of us had one or more, we're also going to need to have our own experience. They said, initially, we believe because you told us that she was their sponsor. She brought them all to Jesus. But then they said, we believe now, not just because of you, but because his words have affected us. We believe for ourselves. Now that is the goal, right? In the end, that is the goal. There really can never be a substitute for our own experience. Your own experience with Jesus. I I can only go so far on the invitation and the sponsorship of another. At a certain point, we have to have our own experience with him. It doesn't mean we're not grateful. We're all connected. We should be grateful. We should make, we should bless the people who are critical to our story. I mean, their gifts. But at the same time, there is no substitute. A sponsor can never be a substitute for an experience. God wants us to have our own experience, a growing, life-giving relationship with Him. That's what He wants for you and me. So let's live out our faith in Jesus and invite other people because then we become the ambassadors at that point. And we get to invite people into life with him. So I have another thought, another think that I want to share with you, but I want us to first be able to shift over, have a song that we share together. Now for us, you know, there's no, like I mentioned, there's no formal time of giving or anything like that, but I do want to remind all of you and the church has really been exceptional. Uh, I, I know a lot, some of us don't have the capacity right now and that's totally understandable. But for those of us who are able, if we're able to give and and to be faithful, again, whether that's online or on the app or however, you know, um, it really helps and it matters a lot for us to do what we're doing. So, uh, you know what? Do as the Lord leads your heart to do so. But we are committed to encouragement and spreading this good word and getting, getting through this transition period together. And to help as many people, for me personally, is to help as many people spiritually, emotionally, yes, and relationally. To stay healthy and to help connect our community together and keep our staff together in a way that we can minister life together in His name. So, now you know what? We're all doing this. So we're going to hear a song. We're going to share this together. I'll come back around, give a final blessing. And I want to pray that blessing over all of you. I just do. I want to have this time to close together. So here we go. Let's take it from here.
1: You are here, moving in, out. you are? That is who you are. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working stop you never stop
0: blessing that was. You know, I think this is uh, going to be a, a two-fold kind of season that we're in right now. I do see it this way. It's a season of, of inconvenience, uncertainty, and anxiety. It is. We can't help it. It's the way it is. But it, it's also, I hope we can appreciate this. It's a season also of opportunity there really is an opportunity here. You know, I, I shared a, a couple weeks back in uh, one of our midweek uh, online services that we had, we're, we're calling it the growing, we're revisiting and repurposing uh, the Growing Through Adversity series. And some of you may wanna check that out, if you haven't already, we do it every Wednesday night in replays for a bit. There's a little pastoral introduction and conclusion as well, but a couple weeks back, I remember say, saying in, in the, uh, I call it the GTA. Um, you know, if we're going to, we're going to have troubles in life and some of them are inescapable, like what we're having to deal with right now. So if we're going to have to go through it, might as well grow through it. I'll say that one more time. I, I remind myself of that sometimes. Can't run away. It's not going away. Can't push it off to another day. If you're going to have to go through it, come on, let's grow through it. If I have to go through it, I might as well grow through it. What's the opportunity in the adversity that the Lord has for us? What would that look like? Don't get bound, you know? Don't get stuck, stay unstuck, stay unoffended, lean into the Lord more than ever. I'm going to do my best. We are all going to do our best as a team to encourage you at a personal community level, we're going to give it our best shot. But in the end, this is about our own relationship with the Lord. Everything that we do, every everything that we do, Rise and Shine, and the encouragements, and the midweek service, and the prayer groups, and the small groups, and the Zoom groups, and all the other things, you know, we're trying to do here together, the worships on the Instagram, everything really is meant to be supplemental to our own life with Jesus. Again, we believe because we experienced you for ourselves, and that's important. It's so important. So remember the Lord is so good. In fact, I need to say it one more time. So good. So God, that's who he is. And because of it, so good. And so God, so good. So God, so good. So God, Lord, I, I ask for your blessing. I do for all that we've shared and where we're heading. Be our, our faithful shepherd calm our minds and give us great courage. In your name we pray, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, I see you guys again.